0: Oh, yeah, come on, somebody. Well, never has anybody been more excited for my sermon than today. Super blessed to be a part of that, super blessed to be a part of their life. You know, I, I'm delighted in the fact that we are a church family. It's one of our values is family, and... uh you can only do so much at certain sizes, you know. And at, at this size of 250, 300 people, you can you can make moments in time, for in space, for moments like that. But um, I'm just I'm thankful that we get to do that. I'm thankful that we get to be a part of that. I, I just I, I want to commend everybody who is investing in somebody else in our church right now. So if you if you're if you're a person who's taking a moment to invest in somebody else's life. This is how these moments begin to happen. These moments where you are selflessly, you, you deny yourself and you put God the center. And when two people put God the center of their, of their relationship and into engagement and on into marriage and, and through the journey, God really blesses that. And that happens through taking an investment in somebody's life. That, that you would be included in what Jesus wants to do in and through your life. And so I just commend everybody who's taken that seriously and, and not just invested in these two, but invested in the people around them. And it's really how the value of family begins to get established. Uh, you don't have that value. Um, if, if without, without doing that, it's no longer um, a true value. It's just a wish list. And so I'm thankful that that's a value that's in our culture. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4 this morning. John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. I won't go too long because I know everybody's super excited. And uh, those endorphins will only run so long. So I'm going to capitalize on that moment. Last week we started a series called Living Water. Living Water, when Jesus engages you. We're so familiar with this passage. If you're growing up in church, you've heard it preached several ways um, in, in several different contexts, um, into several different applications. And today, I want to talk about um, living water when when Jesus sends you, when Jesus sends you, and believing that Jesus has sent all of us, just like He did this woman that we're going to read about. He, this is applicable for everyone here. No matter what stage you're in and where you find yourself, that, that living water doesn't just want to engage you, but it wants to send you. We're going to back up and start in verse 22, which we read at the conclusion of yes or last Sunday's message. In verse 22, it says this, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. This moment of anticipation by this woman as she was at the well, which we read about last week in her shame. She just was done with her fifth marriage. She's in this sixth relationship. She has so many questions and so many accusations against her as we read about her going out to the well at noonday all by herself. And Jesus engages her. He talks about this living water. And if you would drink of it, you will never thirst again. And he equates living water to eternal life in this passage. Living water to where you'll never be thirsty again. There's something that's going to sustain life past this moment, past this day. There's something that I am offering and only the Messiah, the Christ, had the, had the ability to offer such a gift. Only he could offer such a gift to this woman. And as he begins to talk to her, he says that there's been this moment of worship where you've gone to a place to worship. You've gone to a destination for worship. I, a Jew, have gone to Jerusalem. You have gone to this mountain. But I'm telling you that when. The Christ comes and begins to breathe and put living water inside of you. You will no longer have to go to a destination, but you'll go to a person. You'll go to God, the Father, and I will give you access and ability to go to him. So you don't have to go by any other means except by the living water, the, 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 the one who gives the water to you. And Jesus is referring to himself in this situation. And this is a powerful moment because this is all for us today. Spoken 2,000 years ago, but relevant for today. This moment where now you have access. How many love access? Like access to things that are locked you know, like you're the only one who has access. We love that. Right. We love to um, go and we love to know the code to the church. You know, that's been the big thing. People trick me to try to get the code to the church. I got to tell you this real quickly. They'll come in. They, they, they need to get a guitar or some strings, hypothetically speaking, last night around, you know, six o'clock. And, and then the, they'll, they'll, they'll go in and and then the alarm will sound and then they'll call and say, what's the code? What's the code? Give me access. Because once I access it once, I'll be able to access it every time. And I won't need to bother you, pastor. You know, that's, 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 the, that's the take. And, and, and the truth is, we all like access. My friend Ramel loved access, loved, loved this idea of of having access. And, and that was with this whole idea of having a blue passport. See, my friend Ramel was a Filipino, is a Filipino. I don't know if you can, were and now you aren't. I don't know. Huh. Hmm. All right, shame on me. Okay, my my friend Romel is Filipino, and, and he went through the whole citizenship process, and he was talking about the blue passport. The blue passport, it, uh, it, it gives you access, access to um, open doors to open countries all over. Those who are born in the United States don't really understand the power of the blue passport. It's like we just know, yeah, I can go to Europe anytime I want. No, I don't need a visa. I got a blue passport, you know, so the blue passport is powerful, and he would talk about it, and when he did, he would get so excited, and his was all about getting the citizenship, in. and I'm excited because he did that, and then we also had a, another couple who, from the Philippines, coincidentally, and they've gone through the process of the last 10 years to get a blue passport, and that's Eric and Chandela Cruz, who became U.S. citizens this past week, And man, are they excited. Are they excited because they have access because they have access. They have this moment of now they have blue passports and and they can go to and fro. And there's there's all this open things that begin to open in your life. Living water gives you access. And it should be, and I would hope that we would encourage you every Sunday that you come into this place, that you would feel this, this energy or excitement, the fact that you have access to God. Like when we get that blue passport, we're so excited. When we get that citizenship, we're so excited. When we get the church alarm code, we're so excited. We want access. We want access because because. And then we can freely go and in freedom, in this freedom, we find that that's where worship can truly take place. And that which has bound you can now be broken. That is which held you back can now be set free. Romans 8.15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In this moment, we realize when the living water, when Jesus comes and he he resurrects us and he brings eternal life inside of us, is giving us the permission to access the person as sons and daughters. We now have an inheritance and a rights. In verse 27, let's pick up John 4. And this question that I have for you, I'll say in just a moment. It says in verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. The first observation that we see through John 4, not only now do we have access to worship, we see this moment where Jesus was talking to somebody that he wasn't supposed to be talking with. He was talking to a woman and a Samaritan woman. And the disciples were surprised he was talking with her. The question I have for you, and it's rhetorical, are, are people around you surprised by the people that you are talking with? Are they surprised that you have engaged maybe people who don't look like you, act like you, maybe even believe like you, and yet you're loving them and engaging them in this way that is loving and that is truth-telling, that is gospel-centered? Are you Engaging in conversations like that, and our people marveled at it. I look at Jesus' life and how he crosses these cultural faux pas. And we as well want to be like Christ, so as obedient to Christ when he calls us to go to a people, that we would be obedient to go and engage those people. Verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. It's like, where where are you hiding that food, Rabbi? So disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have not entered and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed of his word they said to oh, the woman it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. How do we sow and reap? I, I want to look at this verse. How do we sow and reap? It's it's not real complicated. Um, It's not like you need uh, a big, heavy machinery. You don't need to go in a bunch of debt in order to sow and reap. You just need to be obedient and available. And in this moment, you have to first do tell what he has done for you. That's the first thing you have to do. You have to tell people what he has done for you. This woman leaves her vase and she runs in town and she tells them what Jesus has done for her. The second thing you need to do is you need to bring people to Jesus. Sometimes we oftentimes we like to tell our story, but we don't necessarily like to bring people to the source of where our story began, of where our story started. You have to be a bringer. Everybody say be a bringer. You have to be a bringer. You have to bring people to Jesus. When did you first meet him? When did you first meet Christ? Well, was it in a moment of hopelessness? Was it in a moment of abandonment? Was it in a moment like this woman in shame, in guilt? Was it maybe maybe as a child you you met him in a children's class, or maybe you met him at a church, sitting in a row, hearing the gospel preached, or maybe you maybe you heard it in multiple moments. Where did you first meet him? I would encourage you. That's probably where you should bring them. Hey, hey, I met Jesus over here. Come, come over here. Come to Luminous. Come sit by me because I met Jesus here and I know you're going to meet him here, too. Right. That's a great place to start to bring people to Jesus. Maybe maybe it was that moment where you were just sitting at a coffee shop and you had your Bible open and you were reading John. Because if you are wanting to know Jesus and meet Jesus, start in the book of John. And read John chapter 1 today, and then tomorrow go back to that coffee shop and read chapter 2. And then go back to the coffee shop the next day and read John chapter 3. And as you go through John, you're going to see this Jesus who transforms lives, and you're going to meet him. Because he wants to meet you. Here's a little secret that's not so secret. Jesus always wants to meet you. He's always available for you. He loves you. He adores you. Thing is, we oftentimes rush out of Jesus's presence. See, the third thing, you have to invite Jesus to sit long enough and to sit with people long enough. That's what the Samaritans did. As we read in verse 40, we read that the Samaritans asked Jesus to stay for two days. Oh, man, I I believe that testimony. I believe it's true. I believe you're living water. I believe the way that you love this woman and forgive this woman and you offer her eternal life and you want to extend that to us. Hey, would you just stay and just talk to us for a little while? Because I know if we were just to get around you for just a little while, our life will be transformed. But oftentimes we rush out of his presence right before the breakthrough really happens in our life. And you know the moments, the moments where they're sitting with Jesus and you know that you're about to encounter him. And then and then the notification goes off and it's the news alert and and the email and the phone and whatever else it may be. Just sit long enough. Ask him to stay for a little bit. Watch what he will do. Ask your friend who you tell your story to, and then you're bringing them to the place you met Jesus. You're asking your friend, hey, could you just just stay a little while? Don't let one Sunday be the only Sunday that you come. Would you just sit a little while? Just sit for maybe a couple of Sundays, a couple of months, and watch how Jesus will speak to your life. And I promise you, he will show up and he will meet you right where you are in your situation. I promise you. See, I... Don't think, say things definitively a lot. In marriage, I, I, we don't use the words always or never. You know, it's, it's so hard to be dogmatic about opinion. But I am definitive in this. That Jesus wants to meet you, and he will reveal himself to you. He's going to speak truth to your life. Definitive. I, I know it. I believe it. I've seen him do it. The hardest of hearts... He has softened, and he has molded, and he has shaped. So wherever you are, I believe that Jesus wants to do that for you. But there's some obstacles. There's some obstacles that keep us from sowing or reaping. The first obstacle that we read about and that we see is feeling inadequate. You ever feel like that's an obstacle for you? Feeling inadequate. I I I don't know enough. Yeah, okay, it's pretty simple, sow and reap. Okay, I get it. Go out and tell, tell my story, and then, and then bring them to Jesus, and then ask Jesus to stay. I, okay, I get that, but I just don't feel like I know enough. Right, that's oftentimes another thing, Uh, or maybe maybe you you they question your story and they start asking you questions about your story and all of a sudden you doubt your experience, you doubt what Jesus did in you and they start questioning you. So I'm afraid of that. I'm I just I don't feel adequate. I don't feel like I have all the answers to all the uh, all of my story. But I'm telling you that 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 could be one thing that happens. Another thing is just my reputation. I've had this reputation. I'm on my sixth man. The woman said. Number six, I I just have a reputation in Samaria. And yet a woman with a reputation goes and and says it with such conviction that the whole town begins to respond to the Christ that is. It's amazing. I, I, I have shame. I have guilt. I've fallen short. I just, I don't know the words to say. I feel like a walking hypocrite. But I want to tell you that the enemy would love you to stay at the well. He wants you to stay at the well. He wants you to stay there because when you're at the well, there's this illusion that you have the living water because you're around it. But I'm telling you, when you start running and you start telling people about the living water, it's because the living water is bubbling up inside of you. And as the water begins to bubble up and you begin to share, he begins to give The solutions and answers to your very hard questions and to people's hard questions and people's doubt. I'm going to tell you this, that everybody has hard questions. And we're in an age where we live in a day, right, when everything's accessible and and every question can be asked. And there will be uh, the the computer will spit out a hundred different answers for every question you have, leaving you to more questions and more questions and more questions. Solomon said this is the this is where the pursuit of of endless knowledge is of keep trying to keep trying to pursue things over and over. But at the end of the day. You got to come to this place. Is the living water for you? Is it for me? God's going to give you answers for you, for for all the questions, for all your inadequacies. And John 14, 26. Jesus tells his disciples, he tells them and he instructs them that that we are walking together for three years. Three years is not a lot in time. And in this three years, it's going to feel like a whirlwind because there's going to be so many things that happen. Not even the books of the world could contain it because of the miracles and the power and the display and the lives affected. If you were to hear the thousands of stories and we were trying to all compile them in books, we just couldn't contain them of how lives were changed. We never heard about the person right, who was on the side of the mountain when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And we never heard about that person's testimony. We never heard about, you know, all these testimonies that God has lined up through his word. There's just so much to be written and it couldn't contain it. But I'm going to tell you this, disciples. I'm going to recall everything that we did that you need to know so you can write so people can find me. I'm going to tell you everything that you'll need to know to all the hard questions, to everything that they may ask. It doesn't matter what century or what culture that I will provide enough. He says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. I will be enough. And when living waters inside of you, you'll find yourself recalling parts of your story that you forgot about for their situation that they so need. See, there's moments when you're telling and you're, you're going to people, there's going to be things that you say that you, you thought they were long gone. But all of a sudden, you're reminded of them by the Holy Spirit and speaking directly into this person's situation because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to heal and resurrect their life. The second thing is well, we feel like we don't have enough time. Right, so we feel inadequate okay i'm adequate pastor i got google i'm adequate i got i got the Uversion version bible app you know i'm ready you know i can search anything and so i'm ready i'm ready pastor uh, I, I prayed up in the holy ghost for two hours i'm ready you know i'm ready to go pastor but i just don't have the time Have we ever use that one Just no time you see jesus had three years he had no time and yet He stayed for two days. I think and with petition that all of us have a little margin in our lives to give the time that we need to give in order for people to receive the living water. I'm thankful for the people who have who have said yes to the growth track and gone through our steps and, and given time back to our kids ministry so that these kids can hear the gospel and hear about living water. I'm thankful for our greeters out there who are greeting and our ushers who are shaking hands saying man I got this living water bubbling up inside of me and I know that you may need a smile today and I'm coming here for you that's why I'm here for you I'm here to tell you about living water to show you what living water looks like i'm thankful for lauren and stephen Badillo who've been serving in our elementary class for the last couple of years and they serve twice a month and they've been given their life and they have no time they have no time and yet they said i'm going to make time because i know god has carved me out to bring living water in this situation god is, god has given us time and we all have an, a finite amount of time just like Jesus had a finite amount of time, I remember, I remember uh, working full-time 40 hours a week, 40, 45 hours a week, and going to school full-time, getting my um, undergrad degree. And I remember volunteering for my youth ministry, and I remember that there was just no time. And sometimes you have to do some things in order to carve out more time so that you can invest in the things that are most important. So I was preparing for this sermon, and I was looking for a journal because I— Needed a journal and I wanted to, I wanted to just write, you know, have you ever just wanted to write, not type, write, like y'all remember those days? And uh, I just wanted to write and I just, man, I just needed a journal. So I look on our shelf and we just moved and so I don't know where anything is. And I found this old journal, I pulled it out, maybe it has like a piece of paper on the back and I started reading it and got real nostalgic, you know, um, because that's, that's what I do. And um, got real. No-, no wonder I don't have time, now y'all judging me. <clears throat> and uh, I, I pulled out this journal, and the first entry it was January 27th, and before I read it to you, I just want to say this, that I, I was in this place where I was out of time, but I, I realized that I needed to carve some time out for what God has called me to do, and so I, I actually started a new job. I want to read this journal entry real quickly for you. January 27, 2003. Some of you weren't even born. Praise God. (laughs) So this, thank you, Lord, for this day. I start my new job today. Lord, the last thing I want to do is let you down. Let me go to work with the greatest work ethic, integrity, stewardship, servanthood. God, I want to follow hard after you. Help me to do so. Let me show your love and your glory here on earth. Let me be a light to the darkness. We had the youth Super Bowl party last night, and it went so well. I am sure my calling right now is to be in these youth's lives. I just pray that I may not be selfish, but may I give all my time. It was that moment, January 27th, when I was a youth leader that I said, Hey, I'm going to quit my networking job, and I'm going to work part-time as custodial staff at our church. And I'm going to clean toilets for your glory. That's, that's what I said. I said, man, you, some of you heard this, but it just doesn't get old to me. I'm going I'm to make these toilets shine that when somebody sees this toilet, they're going to get saved in the bathroom. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> living water. <laughs> and, and, and it was a big sacrifice for me at the time to do that. But I realized, like, I, I, wanted, I wanted those in darkness to discover his marvelous light. I wanted the light of Christ to shine upon them and I wanted to be available for their questions, and I wanted to be available enough to bring them to Jesus, and I wanted to be available enough that that if we just needed to sit with Jesus a little longer, we could so that they could discover what Jesus says about them. I wanted to be available. Now, I realize we're all in different life stages, and here I was. You know, this was so long ago. I was 21 years old. We we may not have that level of margin, but I believe that God has given all of us a little bit of margin to make time. to live this out and to walk how he's called us to walk, to to be this living water, to tell everybody who needs hope in this city, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, that Jesus is alive. We need to make margin for that. When you surrender your time, you'll find this, this life that sometimes you'll be walking and no longer roaming, but you'll be walking on purpose and sometimes instead of walking you'll be running because that's what God's called you to do is to run to a town but there'll be sometimes in your life where you just you just wait on the Lord and you stay in his presence long enough and you sit with him long enough where you find yourself actually soaring where you're soaring to new heights and new levels where you're soaring to new conversations and new friendships you find yourself soaring Isaiah 40 31 they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings of eagles they shall run and not be weary walk and they shall not faint this is what god has called us to do being in god's presence lets us see him and it also lets us see us and when we see we begin to participate this is our call. This is what God has placed in our heart. And for some of you, it's to—it's just to make some time here at Luminous. I'm going to make some time every other Sunday to greet or serve in kids or hold a baby or, or, or just, just give enough time so living water would bubble up into this people already coming, already coming. And the harvest is plentiful and we see it. And so some of you, that's stepping into the growth track. And going through that and and, and beginning that process for for our church, not only do we see that Jesus will make a difference in your life and through your life when you do that, but God's also um, put on our heart to plant churches. See, we're in a church planting movement. We plant churches. This is what we do. They say the first five years of your church plant, that's when the most people will be reached. Now, that's kind of opposite of us right now, but but it's a, that that's when most people are reached. And so, for every new church, right, there comes new growth. There comes new people who respond to the gospel because we like new, right? And Dreddy's just opened up. Like, we all have to go check it out. You know, we all we like new. And so, when a new church shows up, all of a sudden it's a new opportunity. A new start for somebody. Hey, I know that you're jaded on church. I know you've been hurt by the church, but you need to come to this new church that just started and they don't even know what they're doing yet and so they're not even going to see that you're jacked up. You just go and then God will do something and it'll be amazing. You should just go to this new church plant. So my friend shattered Bell, who's pastor in Family Life Church, Austin. He's going to be here next Sunday and he's going to be preaching and he's going to give all of us an opportunity. To sow into this church plant with prayer or finances or maybe you know somebody in Austin and you can participate in that. And so he's going to come and he's going to give the opportunity for that. And I just want to encourage you that, that you would just pray about how you should help this church plant plant successfully in Austin, Texas to reach people. This is what I know God is calling us to do. You know, it's amazing how God is, God, and when you begin to step into his plans, how he begins to do amazing works in your life. And I, I think sometimes, and I know this, this may be a theological stretch, so go with me here, okay? But I think sometimes that we, we have this living water, and I think oftentimes it says that the Holy Spirit just, he wants to bubble up out of you. And the way he does it is through his gifts, So we see this in his gifts, that he's given the church gifts of prophecy, gifts of wisdom, gifts of exhortation. And and when you uh, participate with the Holy Spirit, he'll bubble out of you. And it'll be an overflow into the people around you to bless them and love them and encourage his body. But I've seen it likewise where we suppress that living water. Where we still go back to the well of familiarity. And we still go back to this thing that used to, we thought satisfied, and, and, and really it's, it's murky and it doesn't satisfy. And we go to this well and, and it's just so familiar, and, and we don't do what God's called us to do. And as a result, we, we are ineffective. And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today that the living water that's inside of you, eternal life that's inside of you, is giving you access. So I want to invite you into participation. If he's given you the blue passport, then we should go to where he's called us to go. What has God called you to go to? Where has he called you to go to? What has he called you to give your life to? How are you using that time? Would you stand with me this morning as we just begin to close? And as we do, I'd love for us to be reflective in this nature. I asked a question last Sunday and I ask this question is the living water inside of you the living water equated to eternal life only found by Jesus not by works but by grace a gift given to you so that you and I cannot boast in the fact that we earned it but we boast in the one who gave it is that living water inside of you is eternal life inside of you It's the light of Christ, as Ephesians 5 says. Is it shined upon you, and has it awakened your soul to his goodness and his grace? And if it hasn't, all it takes is a step, a step of faith, putting your trust in him, realizing the old thing won't satisfy, but I need to move into a new thing. If you would, bow your head with me and close your eyes. I want to ask that question with a response in mind. And your response will be a hand raise. But really, it's a heart race. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you've never done that and you want to do that today, would you just respond with a hand raise? I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. And for a great follow up, what has kept you back from sowing and reaping? What's kept you back? Is it an inadequacy we're talking about? Is it time? What is it? And whatever it is, if there's something you're thinking about, would you raise your hand? And would you just give it to the Lord? Would you give it to God? And I want to pray for you in agreement. Jesus, I thank you. Lord, for all the participation. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the access in this room, for the believer, for those who are in Christ. And God, I pray by the Holy Spirit that you would give power to surrender whatever we hold more important than you. As a hand is raised, maybe we don't even equate it to that. Maybe we don't see it as that. But Lord, if it's before you and before obedience, I pray it would be laid down. So give people the courage to do so. Give them the knowledge to know how. And give them the love and grace for themselves. In Jesus' name, amen.